And last time I already said I would like to uh, talk a bit about bodhicitta this time. Bodhi, enlightenment or awakening, and chitta, mind, heart. I like to translate it as the awakening heart. I could also say awakened heart, but uh, I think it's more realistic for us to talk about the awakening heart, to see it as a process. And I'm sure one of the possible answers some people might have, some people might have this question, okay, in this time, how can I practice, how can I, how can I use this time? I'm sure a possible answer of Lama Sopa would be bodhicitta. Practice bodhicitta. Wake up with bodhicitta, have breakfast with bodhicitta, be bored with bodhicitta, feel lonely with bodhicitta, go shopping with bodhicitta, do your practice, whatever your practice is, yoga or going for a walk or whatever, do it with bodhicitta. So the bodhicitta within the Mayana tradition is the key to transform our activities into uh, causes for awakening. So from the point of view of the Mayana tradition, it's not so much what we do, it's more what is the intention behind? What is it embedded in? in what is the vision behind the action? So if someone meditates, and you would think, yeah, definitely that is a spiritual practice, but from the Mayana point of view, it becomes only a spiritual practice with the bodhicitta. So if once, if you meditate to relax and feel better, uh, you know that's good, that's fine. But that's not a spiritual practice. So if you practice yoga to be more slim, more more fit, more attractive, uh, then from the Mayana point of view, that is not spiritual practice. But if you make breakfast with bodhicitta, then making breakfast is a, is a spiritual practice. If you go to a party with bodhicitta, then going to a party is spiritual practice. So what turns around what we're doing into stepping stones to awakening is bodhicitta, the awakening heart. Tonight I would like to share some of the puzzle pieces. Of course, it's a complex teaching within the Mayana tradition. I can't say everything, but just a few points to reflect. If you ask a Tibetan Lama what is bodhicitta, and he has only a few minutes to answer, then very likely what he would say is, Bodhicitta is the intention to use this life to wake up for the benefit of all. So it is not a feeling, it's not nice, doesn't feel good, or it's not like opening the heart and be all warm. That's all, that's all good, uh, but that's not bodhicitta. So bodhicitta is a, is a deep gut intention, an undercurrent in your life. 
which initially is also cognitively framed, but then becomes really a, a point of view. An example would be if your intention is life to become a famous artist, then all your actions are flavored by that vision. Even sleeping and going to the fitness center and learning other skills, it, it all is um, within that vision. I want to become a famous artist. That's my goal. That's what I want to develop into. And I dedicate my life 100% to it. Nothing else is important. So even resting and so on and so on is happening in that frame. So that's how an intention, a deep intention, which is more than a, just a rational decision, can shape your whole life, can shape the direction of your life. And with bodhicitta, the intention is not to be a famous artist, but it is to use this life to, to wake up, to come out with your whole potential of what you are able to embody, what you are able to give as a human being. And it is uh, something which then becomes spontaneous. I mean, uh, an artist who wants to become famous doesn't meditate upon that or does not need to remember why oh, I want to become a famous artist. It's just, it's, it is just there. And the same is with bodhicitta. It, it becomes uncontrived. It becomes spontaneous. It's just what you, it, it is just in the background of all your actions. It's the most precious thing. It's the most beautiful thing. It is bodhicitta which brings meaning into our life. It is bodhicitta which makes us courageous, you know, stepping out of holding things back and being too shy and, yeah, I'm not good enough. Who am I to share this? I want to open my heart and I want to do it radically. So it, give, it has this courageous aspect in it. very powerful. If there's a, the fledging bodhicitta in our mind stream, then you for sure will feel that your life is absolutely meaningful. You found meaning in your life, which is possibly one of the most instinctive and basic drives of humans is to have meaning in life. And bodhicitta can provide that meaning. It's very important to feel that one's life is meaningful. Yeah? Particular because you soon will die. And then you would want to have a feeling, I used my life in a good way. I, I, I used this precious life in a good way. This gift. And with bodhicitta, you use your life in a good way. It is said in the Mayana tradition that even on an aspirational level, bodhicitta is very powerful. So just to have the wish and to verbalize this wish, like in the Bodhisattva vow, I vow, I pledge to use my life 
for the benefit of others. It's not about me. So just saying that is uh, powerful. So let's start with a bit of quiet sitting and possibly already within the spirit of bodhicitta so that we sit quietly with ourselves and with this group not only for our own benefit but as our contribution to to a better world So if you adjust your posture a bit, not too sloppy, not too relaxed, uh, not too sloppy, not too tight. There's a certain dignity in the Bodhisattva posture. Kind of, this is my place, I have the right to be here and I'm willing to touch and hold all my feelings, all my thoughts with tenderness. And if you like, you can close your eyes. If you keep your eyes open, you keep them relaxed without particularly looking at something. And then you notice what happens when you make contact with yourself. You check in, you check the inner weather. And for that, it is necessary that your awareness slides into the body. Initially, maybe the whole posture down into your feet and your arms, your legs, your the trunk of your body and also the head, and you just notice. And think of your awareness combined with the in-breaths as embrace, embracing yourself, embracing all the guests in the guest house of your body. Also the ones you don't like so much. You are a gracious host. And there's space for everyone. And then with the out-breaths, you can take a couple of deeper in and out-breaths, if that feels good for you. With the out-breath, there's a sense of letting go. Giving space. Maybe it's possible for you to release a little bit unnecessary tension and unnecessary effort. So you shift gear 
from the doing to the being here, present moment awareness. And just noticing that this moment is what is, it's already what it is, it can't be different. This is it. This is this life, this moment. And then you gravitate towards present moment awareness. Losing interest in stories of the past, stories of the future, and just being here together in the spirit of compassion, protected by the teachings of the Buddha. in-breath, sliding, and then resting. And if you notice that you get entangled in Stories about the past, stories about the future, you return to present moment awareness. This moment. Where you have everything you need. and where you can still breathe. And we can appreciate that we breathe together. And whatever arises within this pleasant or unpleasant, you allow that. Just let it be okay. Let yourself be okay. Let this moment be okay. Even if what is there right now for you is not that great, just let it be okay. You can lightly rest your attention on the breath, so you have a bit of a anchor. But the tendency is more towards open, choiceless, panoramic awareness. There's something 
tense or something struggling or unresolved within you. Just give it space. Just let it be. Make yourself bigger. And returning, resting. Thoughts are not important right now. Give up thinking. Unhook from thinking. I continue to, to come and go like a shatter in the background, shattering around. It's not interesting. Just be here with us in this moment. Present moment awareness. You can also remember that right now, like us, there's many, many people, millions of people in the presence of the divine, just quietly sitting or praying or chanting. You're never alone in prayer. You're never alone in stillness. befriending your own energy. And if you notice that you want to manipulate, you want to attain something, or you want to get rid of something, just relax that grasping like a fist you open. Make yourself open, surrender to this moment. Finding a deep yes. I consent. Spacious aliveness. Just a simple moment of your precious life. Precious aliveness. Sometimes it's enough just to be alive. Just to be able to be aware, to feel, to breathe to love, to hurt.
if you allow this moment to be exactly as it is, maybe you'll notice that there is a presence, a field of awareness which arises or becomes more palpable when we connect with others. Just the underlying field of connectedness. And this connectedness is very visible these days because we all suffer from the same thing. We do always do. It's just more obvious in these days. So there is a vastness where we can meet, where we are one. And just allow thoughts and sounds and sensations come and go. They have their own life. They're happening by itself. You don't need it. You don't need to add. You don't need to take away. Somehow everything is happening by itself. You are not important. You notice whatever your experience is right now, that it is changing, moving, and there's a constant flow, a vibration like clouds, like water running. Let it flow. Let this moment flow through you, through you as awareness. Let this moment flow through you as awareness. It's a mystery. It will remain a mystery. If you're a controlling meditator trying to do something, give yourself a break. Let go of the meditator, of the control freak. There's nothing you need to do. 
nothing you need to understand, nothing you can do right or wrong. Just be yourself, bring yourself along. You're welcome. You're welcome as you are in this space. There's nothing wrong with you. Even if there's movements, maybe some of it is slightly unpleasant, it could be that you have a sense that peace is also happening, natural peace. There's movement, but there's also stillness surrounding and pervading your experience. You don't need to calm down to soak in peace. You don't need you don't need to feel better to soak in peace. The truth of this moment is peace. Nothing really happens. Just rest. Returning and resting. And allow your awareness to go into your surroundings, here into this meeting, but also there where you are. It's all pervaded by peace, by stillness, by awareness. It's all already full, it's all already whole. Let go of these stupid self-improvement projects. You are already here. You are already home. You are already 
the one. You are already safe. Forget yourself. This is love. This is essence love. And it is big enough to be able to hold the cries of the world. And when you have your eyes closed, if you open them, stay with your own energy, possibly breathing a bit uh, at the heart level. Continuing to rest, kind of listening to what I say, but it's actually not important what I say. There's nothing, nothing you would miss. I don't have any special information to give. So one of the ingredients uh, in the bodhicitta tradition to develop bodhicitta, to or maybe better say to discover bodhicitta, 
I don't know if it's Mahayana propaganda, but uh, in the text it says that um, we all have that uh, deep within us. Uh, deep within us, the longing to have a meaningful life, which is our life of service. There's actually, I just, yesterday I watched an interview, an old interview with Viktor Frankl. He's um, at least in Germany, a quite known therapist who survived the concentration camps. And he wrote this book, Man in Search of Meaning. And he founded a psychotherapeutical school called Logotherapy. And so his uh, assumption is uh, that uh, the need for meaning is inborn in people, in us. And meaning comes through relationship. It's not something we need to agree upon, but it is, uh, it is an assumption and Maybe we can search inside if we find something like that in us. So when do you feel when you are when when do you feel genuinely happy in your life? I mean I'm not talking about the happiness of a good day, they come and go, but a genuine happiness in your life which also is there when you have a bad hair day. Something which is not disturbed by sickness or by lo losing things. Uh, you know, something which is uh, pervading your life all the time. So, and uh, Viktor Frankl calls that the will, the will for meaning. So, one of the reflections in the Bodhicitta lineage is developing a sense of kinship to all living beings, deconstructing the projection of the categories friend, enemy, and stranger, uh, transcending boundaries between genders, between races, between education levels, between age, and also transcending the boundary between human and animal, developing a kinship, a connectedness uh, to all living beings, not only on this planet. And uh, this moment is maybe a good opportunity for us to you know, reflect a bit in, in, this, in this direction, because when you look at your screen, Uh, there's uh, people there, and you might recognize some of them. Maybe you don't know anyone in the normal sense. And there could be often a sense of separation, of alienation, or of a sense of not belonging. Mm -hmm. So this is strangers. I don't know. I don't know them. 
And it's quite easy uh, with a bit of reflection to break down that sense of separation, that sense of, uh, oh, these are strangers. For example, so if you look uh, at the screen, you, you look at the different people, they are human beings. There are, there are no dogs around right now. Sometimes there are dogs or cats, uh, but we can in include them also. They are the same. They are also just people. <laughs> so, um, so they are human beings and they have feelings. Just like you. You don't know the unimportant stuff about them, you know, how much money they make. You can't socially positioning yourself. Or feeling lower or higher. Uh, so you don't have that kind of information. But since uh, you're looking at human beings, you know that they have feelings. So you know that they want to be loved. They want to be seen. They want to be respected. And how would you know that? It's just connecting with yourself, just feeling it, feeling it in yourself, recognizing that in yourself. But not only they all want to be loved, they also want to love. There's a deep longing in everyone here uh, to break your heart open. Because that's, that's just what human beings want. That's what human beings long for. And how would you know that? Yeah, because you, you, you can connect that within in yourself and you can recognize it in the others through that. So you just you know gaze on these little windows, including yours. Yeah. It's interesting to notice if you can include the person with, which seems seem to look like you. It's a little smaller than you, but uh, also we all struggle. We always do. It's fucking difficult. Human life is just, I mean, you don't want to sign up for that. It's, it's amazing that people are still around. How did you get here? I mean, all the shit you went through. Not only puberty, but, you know, school and stuff like that. And constantly losing things, constantly not getting what you want, and constantly getting what you don't want. 
sickness, aging. So maybe aging is not yet a topic for many of you, but for me it is. <laughs> it's happening. So we all struggle and we always struggle. I mean, things are not more difficult right now. It's just more in the news that, that life is difficult. Um, but it's always like that. So when, when, you, when you connect with that, with that tenderness, uh, being honest that you struggle because some people, you know, they, they, they pretend that everything is fine, which is really bullshit. Uh, they are just better, in, you know, they use Botox to hide it, and some kind of Botox. Uh, so, but if you are honest, uh, there's so much pain around you. I mean, if you're a little bit sensitive person, then in your life and in your family, I mean, if you would, if we would share now the tragedies of our families and our ancestors, yeah, it's so much. So if, if, if we connect with that and then recognizing that we are in this together, that we are human, that we are sisters and brothers traveling together a very difficult journey. Then you then then it doesn't matter how much how much money someone makes or where he or she lives or in, in what kind if she's a feminine body or a female body or if she is two what eighty years old. If she has if she has an ac academic degree or is coming from the working class, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. That comes and goes. And it doesn't really, it, it's, it, it's an information we don't need to feel deeply connected to human being, to another human being. His Holiness Dalai Lama says uh, this, in a in a very simple sentence, uh, which is um, sometimes a bit boring to hear, but if you if you reflect upon this, is actually quite profound. So, in almost all public talks, he says, "We all want to be happy, and we all don't want to suffer." And there's other things. For example, we're all going to die. So if we would fast forward this video, slowly people would drop out. <laughs> we don't know who is first. Since we are quite a lot of people, the first one will be soon. And then 
one by one, and then since I, I will get 120, I will be the last one. <laughs> I mean, we all will die. It's not more likely these days that you're going to die. It's actually less. because you are not going to die on, on the way to work. So recognizing that we are all going to die makes it so precious, a moment of connection, a moment to be able to connect to another human being. This is the most amazing thing in the universe. It's awesome, it's like a mystery. We will never figure out how or what is happening, but we can feel connected, we can love. And here not love in a romantic, dramatic way, but in that silent, deep heart connection, where we are connected in a way that it feels we have known each other for eternity. That's ultimate sex. Also, I already said we all have feelings, uh, so we are human beings and we have feelings, and they are pretty similar. I mean, of course, some of us have a more challenging life than others. Some of us have a more horrible childhood than others. But uh, you know, we all know laughter, tenderness, despair, giving up, Anxiety, anger, jealousy, humor. We all know that. And it's so beautiful. I mean, feelings are so fantastic. It's amazing. I think we are here to feel. The whole thing to feel the whole thing. And, and we do it together. It, it, it seems to be very personal, like my anxiety, my depression, my joy. It's ours. It's human beings, sisterhood and brotherhood emotions we feel. It's not personal. Then also, the way you look at these people right now, the way you feel about them, matters to them. It really matters to them. 
It really does. How would you know that? Because it matters to you. And, you know, and don't say this bullshit that you don't care what other people think. <laughs> that that just would reflect your unconscious relationship to your inner life. We do. So the way you gaze at a person, the way you talk to a person, the way you are attentive to a person, matters to that person, to everyone, even to your dog. even to your fish, even to your plants. So if you uh, look at a person, at these people here, with some tenderness, with some recognition, with some softness, then that makes a difference to people. They can see it, they can feel it. We belong. We deeply belong to this planet. You, 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 one does not need to belong to a little club or something like that. We belong to the human family, to the living being family on this planet. That's where we belong. And all the problems on this planet are your problems. The problems of, pe of people are your problems. And uh, these times, uh, I, it's a good reflection on the interconnectedness of the human family on this planet. It's probably the first time where we, we can really see that and feel that, uh, that we are one org organism with many different limbs. And it's obvious when we, uh, when we open into this space, the medicine is essence love. The medicine is love. It always was, it always will be. The medicine for your own pain and the medicine for the pain of this planet is love. Essence love. Essence love which is a union of wisdom and love. 
with the wisdom of recognizing emptiness and love. That's the medicine. Yes, and then what we can do, we do without burning out, because that would just add to the suffering in the world. So this, what I just did, was actually a guided meditation. Yeah. So it was a, a bit quicker maybe as a guided meditation, but this is what is called an analytical meditation in the Tibetan tradition. It's like using reflections to, uh, to discover an inner truth. And uh, this uh, openness, this uh, open heart, which might be touched or might be discovered in this kind of reflection. This is sometimes called equanimity. But you know, this is just a word, so it's an even-mindedness, an, an even-heartedness towards all living, feeling beings, transcending the categories of enemy, stranger, and friend. And the recommendation is uh, within the Buddhita training to, uh, to do that kind of reflections, and there's a bit more to it, to do this kind of reflections uh, you know, for a while, you know, like maybe in a formal way, maybe just you know, going for a walk and reflecting like this. Um, public transport is a very good place to do this kind of reflections. So for this kind of meditation, it's actually good to have someone to look at, yeah? because then it becomes not just something uh, imagined, but you can immediately test if it has an effect. And obviously you never, I mean, you can't force uh, to have certain insights or certain feelings. That's not possible. I mean, that would be great if there would be someone in control somewhere in your system saying, hey, now let's be all tender. Uh, but you know, since there is no, no one there, there seems to be someone there, but there is no one there who is in charge. So one needs to be really gentle and, uh, and you know, one needs to be loyal to what is and how you feel. You can't break break it open through some nice thoughts. So it's more like you, know, you reflect like this and then you listen. And then, and then you, you, you bring another reflection into it and then you listen. So what happens? And you welcome all the reactions. So sometimes some surprising reaction comes. You know, maybe some of you got upset or bored or... Uh, sad or uh, or like rebellious or yeah so and all of that is allowed and it needs to come and go so this is not something we can just do more concentration and more reflection you, know, you can't break break your heart open it has its own time it's like a plant 
which grows. But if you imagine you would do that kind of reflection, like let's say 10 minutes every day for two weeks, this is probably one of the analytical meditation which has can have the, the deepest impact. I mean, people tell me that often, that if they actually do that, like when they commute in the morning going to work, and they sit there and for 10 minutes they, they just reflect in this way. These are all human beings, they have feelings, they struggle, they are going to die, they want to be loved, the way I relate to them matters to them, and so on. It makes a difference. It makes a difference uh, in the way you are in that situation. It makes a difference when you go to a shop and you see people instead of people uh, instead of servants or robots who are there to serve you. It can be quite overwhelming to uh, feel that kind of connectedness. And quite naturally out of that, and that would be the next step, quite naturally from that arises the wish of, oh, may they be happy. Why, why would we wish them to be unhappy? So quite naturally, there is, uh, there is the, the beginning of compassion. Yeah? The beginning of compassion. May you be free of suffering. May you be happy. It arises naturally when we feel a certain sense of kinship. Then that goodness in you comes out. Just the wish for other people to be happy. And also the wish not to add to the violence in the situation. May my being here in the bus benefit the people around me. Just my being here. I, I, I don't need to be a saint or a hero or something like that. Just my non-violent, tender being here. May that make this situation, this relationship, this journey more kind. So let's have a break, uh, 10 minutes. And if you have questions, please write them down. It's good to ask questions. Uh, but uh, you can also ask uh, after the break. We will continue then with the meditation. The second meditation, or there's more, but uh, one of the reflections I want to lead now, and that is uh, reflecting and connecting with the care we have received in our life. 
some of you have done this meditation before with me but uh, as always with this kind of meditation it is good to do it uh, again and again and to be open to a different experience than last time and in this meditation or reflection I will invite you to uh, you know, travel back through your life and remember the care you have received. So this is not about denying that you also have been hurt, maybe by even, even by the same people who also uh, gave you something, but it's just uh, shifting our attention towards the care we have received. And I will uh, kind of lead you back into your life, pointing out to different areas. And if you are a visual person, you could imagine that uh, all these people, that they appear in front of you like a Harry Potter picture. No, Harry Potter picture, you know, when people are in the picture but they move, they are alive. And you don't need to have like a stable visual image. It's more about the feeling. Also, you would maybe like to focus on a few people so that's completely up to you, so we can be creative in this. And whatever you received from these people, uh, we, we translate it or we, you know, we translate it into, into their loving gaze, into their presence. So they just look at you smiling and, and with uh, and, uh, the power in the gift or in the contribution they made is shown in that in that loving gaze, in their in their loving presence, in that nurturing presence. And if I go too quick, then you just stay with where you are. So don't feel pushed by my uh, by my instructions. Just take your time and make it your own journey. Also, this is not a meditation which is supposed to make us feel good. So again, uh, all uh, feelings are allowed. So let's take a few moments to reconnect with our own presence, our own energy. If you like, you can close your eyes and just take a few moments to allow awareness to drop into the body, into the felt sense of your own presence, your own energy as it is, combined with a light attention, resting with a breath the in and out breath 
And again, maybe you can take a few deeper in and out breath to soften, to open. Allowing thoughts to drift into the background, sliding into present moment awareness, noticing that you are here in this moment. Together with others, And then if you get entangled into the storylines, into the commentator, then just gently shift, slide back, drop back into the trunk of your body. So now we are going back into your life into the time when you were born and you were born helplessly, you couldn't take care of yourself, you couldn't do a single thing. So your very survival depend, depended on the care of others. And see if you can invite some of those people who took care of you. So it could be your parents or your grandparents, other family members, brothers and sisters, and you just invite them, give space to spontaneous visits, so you don't need to force anything. And they start together there in front of you and They look at you, smile, smile at you. Or someone had to teach you how to talk, how to walk, how to go to the toilet, how to eat. Someone had to protect you from cold, from warm. Someone had to take care of you when you were sick. So invite some of those people who look after you. And yeah, there's difficult relationships, but you know, let's focus on the contribution. And we translate it into the presence of tenderness, of care. Maybe there were friends of the family a favorite aunt or uncle, cousins. So just see and you can focus on a few people or you can have a sense, wow, there is quite a lot there without going into details. And you stay with your body, with your breath, with your aliveness. 
and you're just sitting like you would sitting in the morning sun, warming. Breath, body. and the loving gaze. So, and then we will add friends. Just make yourself open to the visits of friends, maybe starting in the age of three, four, and then going to school. Remember the warmth, the help, the fun. And some of your friends have been with you for many, many years, some of them only short time. So just invite them in and see who, who comes. Some of your present day friends who help you moving and who listen to you and they they gather there in front of you together with your family, together with the first caregivers. And remember the warmth, remember the connection, your body knows. Your body knows what it means to be a friend and to have a friend. Friendship is worth living for. Breathing, allowing your energy to flow where it wants to flow. Do you remember people from kindergarten? primary school. And feel it. So next we add uh, teachers we have had in our life and we can start with you know, kindergarten teachers, um, school teachers, maybe you have, have had some favorite, there's amazing teachers around there, but even if you didn't like them, just appreciating what you learned what they gave. 
studies and then you moved into working life so you had mentors or people who showed you how to do things I mean we don't know anything all we know all our skills we uh, received from others maybe you had some hobbies like sports or clubs where, where there were their teachers so you can appreciate and some of them you even met you didn't meet you know so books you read and internet research articles who explained how to do things so these are all your teachers And they are standing there with your family and with your friends. And maybe you can remember just a few. But actually there are many, 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 many. And they, and whatever they gave to you, whatever knowledge you translate into that loving gaze, into that presence, into the smile, and you let it pour into you. And then a lot of us are on a spiritual path, so we can also add the spiritual teachers from people whose books have inspired us, but also people who we have met, religious figures, philosophers, therapists, artists, musicians, And they gather there, together with your family, your friends, your school teachers, so the Buddha, Jesus, and so on, Dalai Lama, Bob Marley. Leonard Cohen. And you receive their work as this loving presence. What are your favorite books? Books who changed your life. Poems who changed your life. Songs who changed your life. So many. And it pulls into you like sitting in the morning sun with your whole body from the toes to the top of your head. So, and then the next, I mean, we could stay here for quite some time, but the next is uh, strangers who 
gave something in your life. So already as a child, you know, people smiled at you. Maybe the neighbors, but then also in daily life, just people who open the door or greet you or serve you in a good way. Maybe you have experienced some exceptional kindness of strangers, particularly when you travel, you experience that kind of things. People inviting you in or giving you food or just strangers. People who could care less about you, but they did. Did you ever, ever had an accident? where people jumped in. And they uh, gather there, and I'm talking about hundreds of people here, maybe thousands. And they are in front of you with your family, your friends, and your teachers. Every smile you received in this life from a person, every recognition, every kind word that pours into you from the toes to the top of your head, every cell of your body is bathed in that kindness. Breathing, allowing your energies to flow where they want to flow. It's a receiving. You don't need to do anything. And then the last um, addition here is all the strangers who have contributed to your life, but you have not even met them. You don't know about them. So these are the people who grew the food you ate and made the clothes you wear who built the building where you're sitting in, made the computer we are using right now, who built the hospitals, so all the people who contributed to your life, things you use daily, all the possessions you have, all of that was created and made by others. 
And of course, they didn't have the intention particularly personally to help you, but you benefit. So now we are talking about basically everyone on this planet, but uh, about a lot of people. The parents of your parents and the parents of your parents and so on. So just appreciating this net of interconnectedness. And you have a sense of them there, together with your family, your friends, your teachers, the strangers you met. So now, feel how you're surrounded by that interconnectedness, gazing at you, loving you, taking care of you. And maybe you get a sense that you, from the first day of this life, and even when you were in the womb of your mother, that you have been taken care of. There was water, there was food, there was shelter. You're still here, so you are alive. So the universe provided for you. And that care surrounding you, pervading you, like sitting in the warming in the morning sun and warming up. Just receiving. Right now, in this moment, you are loved, you are cared for. And then we let go of all the guests and they leave happily, they leave gifted, that you recognize them, appreciated them. And just let's sit a few more minutes with whatever is for you right now. Spacious aliveness, present moment awareness. Just resting, breathing in togetherness.
what is happening for you. And then we slide out of this meditation. If you have closed your eyes, you open them. Stay a bit connected with your own presence, with your breath. There is a recording of this meditation on my SoundCloud profile. It's called Connecting. Oh, I don't remember the title. Connecting with the care of others or something like that. So it's good to um, play with this kind of analytical meditation a few times before you disregard it as something which doesn't, doesn't work for you. So give it a try a few times and then yeah, if it's not helpful then you just leave it. In the in the in the Mayana tradition there's a bit of an addition here based on the recognition of the of the continuity of the stream of consciousness, which has manifested in this life, in this body. So, if you would kind of assume that for a moment, I'm not trying to convince you of that, but you know, just assume. So that would mean that we have had that kind of connection with, with every living being yeah, in different constellations. Uh, so, and 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 then this uh, reflection leaves the domain of just this life. Uh, so it can help uh, to feel a connectedness to the pigs, the pigs in Denmark. I mean, also the other pigs, but. Uh, there's a lot of pigs in Denmark. So this kind of analytical meditation, they make only they they make only a difference when we repeat them. So yeah, sometimes there is a feeling, okay, yeah, I understood that. What's next? Yeah, but. Um, so 
that's why I repeat it again and again. Yeah? So sometimes people feel bored because, okay, again, again, this meditation, I already did it. <laughs> uh, but it's like the, the repetition uh, which, uh, which actually then transforms the, the, way, the way we look at people. And after a lifetime of thinking that people want something from you and that, that they suck and they, they have some meanness in them or something like that, and looking uh, at people from that point of view, it's not enough to just recognize the other thing and then say, okay, I have understood it. Because it needs to be embodied, it needs to be lived, it needs to become spontaneous without any effort. It, it needs to become the way you look at people. And that's definitely possible. It was also possible to think that people want something from you and you can't trust anyone. That was also possible to find yourself in that perspective through repetition. Yeah. It's just a position which sucks. And uh, Again, all this uh, reflection make only sense when we start to see that there is no world out there. That the outer world is a reflection of our inner world. There is neither good nor bad people. But how does it feel to be surrounded by good people and how does it feel to be surrounded by bad people? Um, I saw that there was one question. What are the pitfalls when you want to help? And uh, I think that's a really good question. <laughs> it's a really good question. <laughs> Um, I not even have time to, you know, to cover that. That. You know. um, sometimes uh, with that question, I like to refer to uh, what uh, Trungpa Rinpoche, the Tibetan master Trungpa Rinpoche, calls idiot compassion. So if you want to. Uh, look it up after. Uh, so then if you Google idiot compassion and Trungpa Rinpoche, uh, you will find some interesting articles uh, about his, uh, his talks around this topic. And uh, unfortunately, most of what we feel is compassion is idiot compassion. So it's not so much the question if uh, if I practice idiot compassion. Uh, more, the question is more where and when and how much. Yeah, and it's good to you know be relaxed with that in in the recognition. Wow, my compassion is actually idiot compassion. You know, not to be too judgmental about it because our actions are contaminated by the narcissistic 
loop within us. You know, what about me? What does it with me? Oh, this is my feeling. You know, it's so horrible because it's happening to me. So um, that that is always there until the moment when it's not. <laughs> but but uh, until then, it's good to make peace with that and also make peace with that in other people. So, I mean, how can I say it in short, in shortly? It's like any kind of so-called compassion, which is not embedded in bodhicitta, is not compassion. And how can we recognize that? So, we can recognize it when there's an agenda. We can recognize it when we expect something. We can recognize it when it's more about us and not about the people, the person we have compassion with. Uh, we can recognize it when we feel kind of depleted, when it does not work out the way we want it to be. We can recognize it when the seeing of a compassionate action becomes more important than the compassionate action. So we want to post it on Facebook. We can see it when we somehow feel uncomfortable, when we don't get a th thank you, and when this amazing act of compassion is not received and not seen. And we can, we can see it when we get annoyed, when people don't follow our advice, because we, don't know, we know what's best for them. We can see it when we take on projects which are too much for us. When we burn out. We can see it when we don't accept karma. We can see it when uh, we get into kind of a material role, or a goody-goody girl who was always nice to other people, because that's what, how she gets love. That's how she gets attention. We can see it when after a compassionate act, we feel good <laughs> about ourselves. Yeah. A compassionate act is completely natural. It's like putting food into your own mouth. You're not like feeling, oh, I'm so kind, I'm so wonderful, I'm feeding this being is so fantastic look how good i think i need to make a picture for instagram of what a wonderful person uh, i am and i make this amazing donation of fruit so genuine compassion is completely natural it's completely ordinary it's not a big deal it's not worth to talk about it if it's worth to talk about it it's not genuine compassion That kind of idiot compassion you know, actually wants people to be in a lower place. You, know, you, you want them to be the, the one who suffer. So, like, uh, that's called codependency. 
yeah, I'm such a good person, but you actually keep a, another person into a in in a helpless situation. That con that kind of compassion depletes, you know. So it's like it comes with despair sometimes, or giving up, or uh, you know, feeling it's too much, you know, feeling that. Uh, so all that, all that is sign of uh, the pitfalls of so-called compassion, because the compassion we talk about here is uh, is imbued with wisdom. It's it's imbued with a recognition of emptiness. There's nobody here, and there's nobody there, and nothing ever happens. That's compassion. It literally means you make the problems of another person your own problems without you freaking out by it. In the same way you stop to freak out by your own problems. You just do your best. That's it. The other kind of compassion sometimes leads into a, I mean the idiot compassion, leads into a kind of, oh, it doesn't matter, I, I, I can't do anything, so I don't do anything. Since I can't save the pigs in Denmark, it doesn't matter if I eat pig meat or not. So any kind of, this project is too much, is idiot compassion. And uh, for us, a, a big problem within this is um, inability uh, to say no, to accept your limits, uh, to take care of yourself. So that's a, that's a big problem. So if that is not in place, there's no real compassion there. Then there's an agenda, then there's something you want, something you need. Something you want to you, you want to fill a hole inside of you to so-called love or compassion. It's not coming from 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 the from, uh, from fullness, from wholeness, from peace. So most of us, obviously, including myself, we are not there. So uh, what I said before is, is important that uh, it doesn't mean that we stop the neurotic compassion. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any nurses or very few. Um, so just continue your idiot compassion. It's good. It's better than nothing. Uh, but then, uh, you know, work on what? Start to recognize and connect with that within you, which is already free and abandoned. 
which doesn't need to give and doesn't need to receive. And then slowly, slowly, the neurotic, contaminated compassion will, will fade. And you will connect with a deep intelligence within you in every moment, what is the best to say or to do for all beings, including yourself. You will just know. Something in you already knows that. And if the best for all beings is that you isolate yourself and you do 10 years of therapy and just trying to survive and heal your wounds, that's fantastic. That's compassion. So if we, uh, if we act out of idiot compassion, then, uh, then we add to the violence in the world, then we add to the pain in the world, then we add our own pain. And if that is liberated, if that fades, that idiot compassion, you will be very surprised, or in that moment you are already surprised, how much energy there is in you. How much you can take on. How much people you can serve. It's amazing. It's in all of us. And we don't need to become another person. I mean, you have your gifts. Maybe you are a quiet and shy person. It's so beautiful. And serve people in your quiet, shy ways. No, you have skills. If you're a designer, design for the benefit of others. You, one does not need to be like a nurse or a therapist or something like that. Right there in your family, right there in your job, that's the place. And just being you, not being someone, someone else, just being you. Just growing into who you are, being who you are, with your beautiful, unique gifts. not listening to the I'm not good enough or oh, it makes no difference it makes a difference it makes a big difference because we are interconnected so if you are in a compassionate way are in a crisis and you know from the worldly point of view there's not a lot of output it makes a difference you make a difference. Every thought, every movement of your heart, every aspiration, every prayer.
Okay, time is up. Okay. So we dedicate uh, the potential, the goodness of this meeting, or the usefulness of this meeting, if there was some for you, uh, to the to all unknown bodhisattvas. The known bodhisattvas, they, they are fine, but, but there's a lot of unknown bodhisattvas, um, the nurses and doctors and you know, shopkeepers and you know, all these people who are with our, our brothers and sisters now, who are suffering and dying and suffocating and uh, they are not alone, there are people around them. And uh, we can uh, send uh, essence love uh, to these people. They are also you. the ones who are dying and the ones who are helping. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that you took the time and being together here in this space. And uh, yeah, so if you would like to join next week, you are very welcome. And uh, I have a Facebook group called Beyond Mindfulness, so you could join where I will uh, post the recording of this, I mean the audio recording. And then I hope you, I hope you are well and your family is well. And uh, yeah, I'm here, so it's up to you if you want to reconnect. Thank you and bye.